This is from the um, Anguttara Nikaya Book with the Tens, Sutta 61. I say because that true knowledge and liberation have a nutriment, they are not without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for true knowledge and liberation? It should be said, the seven factors of enlightenment. The seven factors of enlightenment too, I say, have a nutriment. They are not without nutriment. What is the nutriment for the seven factors of enlightenment? It should be said, the four establishments of mindfulness. The four establishments of mindfulness too, I say, have a nutriment. They are not without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for the four establishments of mindfulness? It should be said, the three kinds of good conduct. Three kinds of good conduct too, I say, have a nutriment. They are not without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for the three kinds of good conduct? It should be said, restraint of the sense faculties. Restraint of the sense faculty too, I say, has a nutriment, is not without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for restraint of the sense faculties? It should be said, mindfulness and clear comprehension. Mindfulness and clear comprehension too, I say, have a nutriment. They're not without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for mindfulness and clear comprehension? It should be said, careful attention. Careful attention too, I say, has a nutriment. It is not without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for careful attention? It should be said, faith. Faith too, I say, as a nutriment, is not without nutriment. What is the nutriment for faith? It should be said, hearing the good Dhamma. Hearing the good Dhamma too, I say, as a nutriment, is not without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for hearing the good Dhamma? It should be said, associating with good persons. Thus, associating with good persons becoming full fills up hearing the good Dhamma. Hearing the good Dhamma becoming full fills up faith. Faith becoming full fills up careful attention. Careful attention becoming full fills up mindfulness and clear comprehension. Mindfulness and clear comprehension becoming full fills up restraint of the sense faculties. Restraint of the sense faculties becoming full fills up the three kinds of good conduct. Three kinds of good conduct becoming full fill up the four establishments of mindfulness. Four establishments of mindfulness becoming full fill up the seven factors of enlightenment. Seven factors of enlightenment becoming full fill up true knowledge and liberation. Thus there is nutriment for true knowledge and liberation, and in this way they become full. Just as when it is raining and the rain pours down in thick droplets on a mountain top, the water flows down along the slope and fills the clefts, gullies and creeks. 
These becoming full fill up the pools. These becoming full fill up the lakes. These becoming full fill up the streams. These becoming full fill up the rivers. And these becoming full fill up the great ocean. Thus, there is nutriment for the great ocean. And this way it becomes full. Thus, there is nutriment for true knowledge and liberation. In this way, they become full. So this is just the extract. And um, because of, these are all chanted, so that's why it's so repetitive, because when you're not reading it, the repetition really, you know, gets it to sit in the mind. Imagine this is a non-literate culture. You know, they, they, they didn't write stuff down particularly important things they thought were too important to be written down. Because you know, it has to come through a human body to be important. <laughs> you know, because you have to be in the presence of a human body, of a person who's living it, speaking it, hearing the resonance. That's, what, that's where important things are done, not on paper. Which is... <laughs> just paper. Nobody there. <laughs> so sacred things are always, ideally, they should be iterated, spoken, and remembered, and even chanted. Then it really, on some kind of interesting level, the, the resonances start to settle into the into the embodiment. Mm. So this um, is one part of a sutta. The other part. It talks about ignorance, which is nourished by the five hindrances, and the five hindrances nourished by the three kinds of misconduct, and, and so on, in the reverse order. So this is an example of a conditioned arising, you know, conditionality. That is one set of conditions uh, you know, moves towards ignorance. <coughs> one set of conditions, if properly uh, allowed to fill, ripen and mature into knowledge and liberation. So this image here of the stream, the droplets running down, yeah, uh, and, and filling the clefts and so forth. And so, you know, apart just to kind of talk about that verbal form for a few moments. First of all, the sequence is one of uh, uh, the process of uh, nourishing and becoming full, which is quite an organic thing. You know, nourishing something doesn't just switch on. You get a touch of it, like the raindrops, pitter-patter, pitter-patter, a little bit. Gradually that accumulates and it goes down clefts. And where there's, a, where there's an opening, where there's a tendency, where there's a proclivity, yeah, then it gathers in that particular area, then it builds up momentum. And it gradually, once that momentum is established, it has a tendency over time to carry more and more juice, more energy, more rain. Yeah? And you get this great, larger and larger uh, expanse, that, that image. And it's a nice image to bear in mind, both in terms of the, you know, the progressive quality and the naturalness, also the modesty, you know, just raindrops, just, just 
little pitter-patters, and you see an ocean, you think, how's that going to go to that? Ridiculous, you know? Uh, and yet the natural process, if you find the right clefts and gullies, channel it down there, then he says it's in accordance with nature. It's going to, it must, must keep rolling, must accumulate, because that's the nature. Yeah. So it's important for us to, you know, take something from that. The use of natural imagery is very strong in the Buddha, Buddha's language. A lot of it's, it's almost everything is invested with nature imagery because nature in a way is the manifestation of uh, a reality that's not just superimposed. Yeah. It's certainly constructed, but it's constructed in a, in a synthesis, in an organic thing. Nature automatically moderates and balances itself, doesn't it? You know, if there, you mean a balanced environment, then the herbivores keep the foliage down and the carnivores keep the herbivores down the, the weather kind of keeps the bugs down but allows them to you know it kind of levels out and it's beautiful sustaining somewhat chaotic for a human mind and messy uh, process of nature and so well that's 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 the real <laughs> that's the way <laughs> you know and there's something about that the wholeness of it the synthesis of these varying factors that you can see in a natural realm, how they balance each other, even if what they do is eliminate, you know, like carnivores eliminate predator, uh, um, herbivores. But that's generally that's good because if they don't, the herbivores eat, eat all the food and they die out. <laughs> so this checks and balances thing is um, important. And of course, the herbivores with their manure feed the plants and so on. So it all some synthesis, conditionality is this mutual synthesis of factors. And it's not simply a cause and effect thing, like herbivores don't create predators, but they're a condition for the arising of them. Yeah? So the difference in conditionality and causality is not a direct, this does that, this equals that, but this provides the support for these kind of qualities to grow, right? Yeah. Now this is rather different from the way the human mind can, can, can operate, which in terms of do this, get that. Yeah. And um, straight line and quick. Yeah. And, you know, and often monoculture. You know, just do this and eliminate, just aim for one thing and do this f with intensity and you get the result. This is kind of way the human mind can operate. And it, this is quite, quite lethal actually. <laughs> you know, if it, you know, in, in spiritual circles it can arise, to, it can give rise a bit of over intensity and obsessiveness. But when that kind of intelligence is, is released in other aspects, it can be extremely uh, exploited, domineering, exploitative, and, and quite uh, brutal. It's because it, it doesn't see what it doesn't see. If it doesn't see, it doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is 
you know, the rational mind easily gets caught in that, unfortunately. Because it adds up the factors it knows and isn't open to things beyond the sphere of reasoning. And the Buddha is saying, this is beyond the sphere of reasoning. Reasoning is just measuring. It doesn't create truth. It just creates measurement. And so that, that can certainly, we're not saying to have no reasoning, but the reasoning should kind of follow and pick up the traces of, of where the true wisdom has gone <laughs> so we can, rest, we can store it. Yeah. Where, where did it, where did things come into alignment? Where did things flow? Then it's reasonable to oh, measure that. Oh, it's this and this, that, that led there. So the Buddha's doing that, right? But essentially the process of that movement is not, you know, something about reason. It's another movement. And the movement is one of experiencing um, in, an intelligence which carries, carries one onwards, moves one. Uh, doesn't just give one more ideas, but actually moves one. One feels moved, uh, inspired, literally, you know, encouraged. And you, in this process, again, one is very much encouraged to just wait till it, let it fill, let it fill. Feel it, let it fill. As it fills, uh, a factor becomes more, it becomes first of all a tentative realization. Uh, a reasonable or feeling this looks like it could work with this, feels about right. And as it fills, it becomes, I would suggest, use the word embodied. It really fills you. Uh, and you feel all your, your heart, your, you, know, you know, your embodiment goes that way. Mm. And we need to talk about what embodiment means, but it's... Um, this it uh, is uh, a significant um, development. Because wisdom that doesn't get down beneath your forehead isn't going to go very far, as we probably would recognize somewhat uh, sheepishly that one may have all the good ideas, but actually it comes down to the instincts. <laughs> they can still, uh, you know, and also the emotions, let alone the reflexes. The emotions are still going another way, you know. And uh, You know it and yet you don't know it. You know it, but something doesn't know it. Hasn't really got it yet and is still fascinated or repelled or, you know, and when we meditate, this becomes really quite confusing because I do, I do get it, but it hasn't really filled, it hasn't sunk, deepened into both an emotional quality, where one's heart is lifted by that, and I would say even an embodied quality whereby you feel really held in the presence of that. It's like a sense of, presence and gravity and um, full firmness, mm. which is beyond reasoning. 
Uh, so this is, is in meditation. This is the opportunity because, um, in through the meditative process, you know, you're going to come into this embodiment anyway. Whether you name it or know it, you're going to come into it. It happens, and that can be quite a confusing experience because. Uh, for most people, embodiment is afflicted. Mm. And it's afflicted, it feels heavy and dull, it feels constricted and tight, it feels irregular and erratic, sometimes it feels vacuous and empty, you know, you can't even just fall asleep or find your energy going. This is the manifestation of the hindrances begins almost at an embodied level. One feels unsettled, therefore one feels irritable, cranky, snipey, because you don't feel settled. You don't feel comfortable, so you feel kind of peckish and looking around for something to read or taste or watch or sneak away and do. Or you get kind of a sense of um, mind just feels really sluggish and stale. Or it feels restless and unable to settle. Or we lose confidence. Doubt is not just a lack of information, it's a feeling of disorientation and I don't know, you know, what do I trust any? What do I, you know, what do I take? And then the whole meditation form is not able to form as a coherent form it's it's kind of breaking up it's not actually stabilized this is the experience of the hindrance hindrances and they definitely block the evolution of a contemplative form i don't use this word again form meaning i don't know you know uh a felt presence something yeah this is this is and it's kind of personal or individual, you know. But there's a sense of nothing is being left out. There's no withdrawal. Um, there's an amplitude. There's a sense of groundedness, a sense of spaciousness, a sense of, yeah, I'm in my space. This is, yeah, yeah. And this is certainly beyond the sphere of reasoning. Well, this is where the samadhi is collecting into this meditative form is one way of describing the process of samadhi and that again is graduated but it's collecting and gathering and as we were kind of reflecting the other day one um, doesn't one keeps in line with that, you know, so you don't rush on, um, but you let things fill, or you give time for stuff to, to fill, mm. you never know exactly, but this is, this is pretty good enough, and then you tentatively put a foot forward, as it were. Mm. So, I think I've talked about Sadha, faith, 
and just emphasize it's everyone has some asper- some faith in something you know it's just the Boston Red Sox or something you know that makes you feel life is worth living <laughs> and uh, you, know, you rise up for but uh, the 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 the, why, the reason the understanding behind this is some things are more worthwhile having faith in than others. <laughs> you know the faith faculty is there, but the, the, the uh, you, you let it ripen and you realise well, you know the baseball team aren't really going to do it. <laughs> but uh, you know Buddha Dharma Sangha uh, is going to because that's here. That's something I can directly realizable in oneself, is the expression, or in one subject. Recognizing the subject is not the same as the self. Of the self is a construction. So we might say, if you to gloss the word self, I really mean self-image, not necessarily a pictorial image, but a set of you know, you know what what she is <laughs> you know it's a particular set of of, of reference points uh, and orientations um, uh, associated with uh, 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 ownership um, agency uh, and where I uh, able to do and make things happen where I'm located in physically sensorially and my sphere of influence and uh, where I'm getting the good feeling happening. Mm. This is where I form. Mm. And we recognize that though that's natural for all of us, it's very limited because wherever you are, you can leave it. It will go. Um, Whatever you're doing, you won't be able to do all of it. And some things you'll fail at. Um, Whatever you're feeling, you can have bad feeling. So the self just doesn't fulfill what it's supposed to. Yeah. And it's always oriented in the world of space and time, events and circumstances, generally around this body. Now the subject is embodied, present, doesn't go away, always there, uh, behind the self. Mm. Uh, the self can be witnessed as a series of objects, changing objects, changing programs, movements, subject, no, not not that, doesn't go into movement, has no event, no object, can't be seen as an object. We say this subject is one way of expressing what I'm, another word intelligence, another word chitta, another word presence. So behind that which knows, we could say, that which is the knowing or the present, the subject. Mm-hmm. Now, so this is where these this process is beginning to to kind of wake that up. Yeah. Careful attention or, um, is the word he, he's translated here. It's one way of translating the Pali word is yoniso manasikara. So yoniso means yoni's source. So so is just the adjectival form of it. So that which is 
about or derived from, attributable to the source. I call that the subject. Um, Manas, the reasoning mind, kara, action. So it's the reasoning mind's action that goes to the source or comes from the source. So the faculty of intelligence that's going, how is this happening here? How does this feel here? What's that doing here? Hmm. What does is worth coming into? What feels like it encourages this to be more present, to fill this? Hmm. So I call it deep attention because it goes to the source, but careful. It's another way of putting it, appropriate, sometimes systematic. Just people try to um, get a handle on this. And this is crucial. Uh, it's one of the most repeated factors in the these Buddhist lists is this factor. It's the factor that supports um, mindfulness. As, a, as an ongoing faculty. Yeah. Mindfulness is the uh, uh, ability to frame things up, to have to create a suitable frame of reference. Just stay with this. So it starts out as framing something up that's useful, pertinent, uh, meaningful, means something to me. You know, gets is something that you know, I, I can get to, uh, and mm. so we need to find what that is. It's what the process of careful attention. And this mindfulness then is, in this sense, mindfulness and clear comprehension. Clear comprehension, sampajanya, means fully, clearly, thoroughly realizing it. Yeah. You get it. It wakens your intelligence. You go, uh huh. Mm. Now, this here, you see the term mindfulness appears twice in this list, but first of all, it appears as a general overall faculty, which means the ability to bear something in mind. So we might, in fact, bear a teaching in mind. Think, oh yeah, the Buddha teaches this, and you bear it in mind and you stay with that. Oh, that's interesting. It inspires me. Mm. Okay, and you bear that in mind. That's an act of mindfulness. You bear in mind an example. You saw someone do something. Oh, that was inspired me. You bear that in mind. There's my, that gives rise to my, that supports my faith, that action. That doesn't. Forget, drop it. Mm. So it could be um, a person, a teaching, an event that happened long ago. Yeah, it's generally the ability to bear something in mind and comprehend it, be touched by it, get it, till it, your intelligence resonates with that. And filling up with that. Restraint of the sense faculties, conditioned by mindfulness and clear comprehension. That is this uh, faculty, because it does wake up this intelligence, this intelligence is an, you could say, an inner quality, a core quality, um, 
And what uh, the sense organs do is they move us into a world that seems to be out there. It's very much a movement out to a world that seems to be out there, changing sights and sounds over which we have little say, really. I mean, you know, you can tweak it, but basically it's stuff out there and some of it is distinctly unpleasant, some of it's pleasant, all of it's fleeting, changing, and it's somewhat unpredictable. Mm. And yet that is the primary um, uh, encouragement of the, of the ordinary world is to go out there because that's where the fulfillment will occur. Well, you know, you know where that goes to uh, various forms of greed, which aren't acknowledged as greed. They're acknowledged as my rights to accumulate, to have what I want. I worked hard for this, so on. It's, I'm a whatever, you know. So it's it's, but it really is a, a sense of the right, the absorbing resources. Uh, rather than sharing them. Uh, aversion, uh, um, you know, warding off the unpleasant, even warding off the diminution of pleasure. Like I was having a good time, why should I let go of any of it? Mm. I want more of it, not less of it. Uh, you know, I want a 15 story, 15 roomed house, not four. <laughs> And it's mine, you know, and get bigger. So the, 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 the greed mind keeps shifting the baseline of what is normal until you get to an absurd well, a state that's completely out of harmony with nature. Unfortunately, this is a pretty rampant process. And if we can see, the natural world is considerably depleted because of that. We take normal, what is really uh, sanctioned, Creed. Mm. Why do we do this? Because essentially we, we orient around the message of the senses and a message that's transmitted across the human realm. Touch, sight, sound, pleasure. Yeah, that's where you want to be. And of course, the nature of it is because it's so fleeting. You've got to keep having more and owning it and possessing it and not letting it diminish. That's not nature. That's cancer. That's not sustainable. Why does this happen? Not because people are innately evil. Don't even re- don't even recognise that this is a greed process because everybody's doing it, it's the norm, and it's fun. Uh, because this very quality of, of, of orientation of the senses takes you away, the center away from this inner center, which is present, right. Not conjoined with sense contact. Not really, doesn't, not conjoint, it's not dependent upon sense contact. It can happen anywhere. In a car, 
under a tree, lying in bed, sitting on, you can be anywhere, it's the same presence. And process of, as I'm sure many of us have been with, of years or decades of accumulative and encouraged movement out to the senses, even if you weren't manifestly evil or nasty about it, but that constant orientation means you lose touch with the center. And then when you, you know, come to, to, to quiet, everything's sort of pretty confused. The center's murky. We don't even recognize there is one. If you're blank, groggy, weird, you know, just difficult because it's not been cultivated. So that, that primary center intelligence gets lost through that movement out. And I would say, when you look at that quality moving out, it's not just sight, sound, it's also thought. You know? So I, you know, I, I like most of you, I'm sure, go to school, go to college, do this sort of stuff, spend lots and lots of times reading, thinking, talking, thinking, reading, talking, and all the rest of the stuff you do, you know, drinking, smoking, dancing, freaking out, and all this kind of, it's okay. But, you know, you're only kind of like some moralizing Puritan, but it all goes out, doesn't it? And then when you sit down, everything, (laughs) or it just goes in this endless spin of thought because the chitta doesn't know what to orient around except sight, sound, touch, and if those go, it's thought. So it just goes into that. And then when this and not only the content of thought, but the movement of it, which is very fast, it jumps. It doesn't sort of slowly fill and ripen, it it sparks and jumps. And generally, the process of, you know, what's considered um, to train one's mind to get a good job is to get it to rush as fast as possible. And if you can ramp it up a bit more, you know, with some coffee or amphetamines or whatever, just <laughs> boom, 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 then, you know, you really get there quicker than the next person and you're a winner. And that, that, that encouragement, don't be a slow poke sitting around figuring things out. Mm. And so careless attention, really careless, not, not taking things broadly in mind, not concerned with the welfare of others, not concerned with long-term consequences, not concerned with, you know, what's going to happen 50 years down the track if we all keep operating this way. Eh, forget about it, you know. <laughs> Just the hoax. <laughs> uh, you know, so, because then people follow this blind, blind uh, movement. And then even when you meditate, you can see how your mind just jumps. Uh, and... Uh, doesn't pause and linger and take in subtler and deeper qualities of experience. That's that, oh no, the next, jump, 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 jumps to conclusions, prejudges situations, believes in prejudging situations. Like, I've got to get it all figured out before I do anything, you know. This, 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 this.
So, <clears throat> you know, it's um, and particularly coming from that particular background, then certainly coming into um, you know monastic culture in Thailand, there's not a lot of explanation. Maybe it's just a bit. Uh, you know, here's your kuti, here's a place to live, uh, sweeping up, bindabad, go for arms round, and then you, you just basically. Where is anything? And sometimes it's not even illuminated, so you've got to fumble around. <laughs> you know, a flashlight in the jungle trying to find out where everything is. The idea is, well, you know, use your intelligence. That's, that's the thing, you expect it to use your intelligence. Figure it out, look at it. And what are you supposed to do? Well, you kind of get there and just check out what everybody else is sort of doing. And and then they do it and they start laughing, you realize you got it wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's okay, they laugh and never mind, do it this way or that way, you know. So, these kind of things. And you expect to just, uh, give you, they generally give you time to just check things out. And you just look at what the other people are doing and see if you can get some leads on that. And the idea is you kind of, sense how, how you know how, how you are how your body's going to affect other people you give people physical space move around body's going to affect people um, how your voice is going to affect people so you moderate your voice tones you start to you know and then you look at how can i cooperate people are sweeping okay don't go oh they're sweeping i wonder how they do that <laughs> You just kind of find a something and start shaking the broom around, and then they take the broom away and say, "No, you put it down." Use, you know, because you're using the wrong one or something, <laughs> or, or you're you're sweeping too hard. I remember I was sweeping one time, and the, the monk gently comes up to me and puts his hands in and you know, and just takes the broom, takes it away, and says, "Just relax." Because you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're kicking up all this dust, which is going into the. They don't say it so bluntly, it's always quite a polite, thank you very much, I'll just take the broad Or better like this, you know. So, um, no, you know, you get it wrong. You get it wrong and get it wrong, get it wrong. But like, that's, that's the, there's a way of learning without getting it wrong. There's no way of learning without getting it wrong. What does learning mean? means get it wrong and learn from that and then you oh yeah try it this way hmm. so that's really really challenges the self-definition thing doesn't it where you want to get it right day one first first shot otherwise you you feel wrong no no you know you expected to get it wrong and fumble and find your own little slender intelligence growth and start filling up in it until you feel comfortable and, you know, and in harmony with the group. That's basically the, the cultural norm for what we call real learning. And you keep resonating. So just be mindfulness, bear something in mind, stay with it and allow it to wake up your intelligence, your innate intelligence.
that's how you learn, you know. And it's so, uh, it's kind of humbling because if you're, you know, 30 years old, 40 years old, there's a lot of self-definition has been going on around, you know, how good one is and how wise one is. And you think, my goodness, yeah, when you're a little toddler, you know, it's great. You could poop in your pants and people were kind of gracious about it and <laughs> <laughs> fall over and stuff. And <laughs> You can't do it when you're 35, people think. <laughs> but how do you learn? You learn from falling over and shrugging it off and checking out how you, you know, being more attentive next time. That's how you learn. So the, the, that the process, and one begins to put it together, the more you're caught, out in, caught up in not attending to your primary intelligence, your knowingness, your inner balance, your inner gut sense, your intuitive sense, how do you explain it, these words, then you're always kind of following a model that isn't really even there. A model you call yourself or you or what you think other people think you are or see you as complete ghost which is always nervous so restraint of the sense faculties restraint doesn't mean elimination of them but just just pulling it back and then how do i moderate through my eyes my voice my body so i operate from the center and then come out to, to the sense boundaries with a sense of, yeah, and it can take a while for that um, to, to, to fill up. And then the three kinds of good conduct or behaviors, this is, means body, speech, and mind. Or, uh, okay, re- reword it, uh, body, the embodiment, one is balanced uh, rather than uh, disconnected, mm. uh, uh, compulsive, reactive, uh, unsettled, unbalanced, uh, and is grounded, embodied, uh, and therefore the quality of intelligence can then operate within that. If the body is not connected to intelligence, yeah, then this is where we fall over or make mistakes or when other qualities run through the body, such as passion. So embodiment is not all good news, you know. I mean, true embodiment, you know, when it's, it's held, centered around intelligence, that's the purification of body. Um, without that central intelligence, body is very much infected with the various programs that can be created through sense contact, which is the greed program the passion program, the aversion program, the fighting, the bullying, the extorting, the domineering, the angry, the frightened, you know, the collapsing, and all these can be there in the embodiment. So this lack of, lack of proper embodiment gives a feeding ground for improper embodiment, which comes out as improper conduct, where people are reptilian instincts just rush through them. They start going berserk or fighting or bullying and so on.
It's horrifying. Speech refers to not just external speech, but thought. So thought forms which are malicious, sniping, accusative, domineering, bullying, harsh, and so forth, to oneself or to others. We know this is the inner critic, the inner tyrant. Yeah. Yeah. This is a wrong kind of conduct. <coughs> and uh, the other form of con- heart conduct. So here we say body, speech, and mind. Body, speech equals thought as well as verbal, but naturally what one thinks tends sooner or later to be what one says in those blind moments. It blurts out. And, uh, or one at least hears it oneself and is affected by it and keeps getting reprogrammed by those ways of thought. And of course, heart, here mind really means heart, the, the effective emotional sense. Woman's effective sense is not endowed with goodwill or we call it sickness. When it is not endowed with compassion, we call it a disease. When it cannot experience gladness for another's welfare, we call it crippled. When it cannot find equanimity, we call it impoverished. Mm. Mm. And so whenever these qualities take over stinginess of heart, uh, harshness, dismissiveness of heart, uh, depriving, uh, cutting off goodwill towards self or others. We call this a sickness, a disease, an impoverishment, bad conduct. You know, this is, you know, with these words can be loaded, but unhelpful, does not go anywhere useful, causes pain. It's one's, not for one's welfare or the welfare of others. So therefore, you know, we say if there is a training for my heart, simplest training to others as to myself, to check the, the quality of goodwill or refusing aversion, rejecting aversion, rejecting harshness and dismissiveness, you know, rejecting jealousy and stinginess, uh, rejecting uh, passion and despair. This, then these should be established as my, where I come from. And of course fail occasionally, but then I, intelligence come back into true again. Why did it fail? Because some program took over. And it's program very much motivated by, I am this and there's that. I am this bit, this that bit, you know, the separative thing. Mm. So with these, then the property of, of mindfulness can be properly established in, in these four ways, the mindfulness of body, because the body that we are mindful of is now present for us. The body that's the most conducive, supportive basis for mindfulness is now present for us. It's an entire body. It's a body that's felt and sensitized. It's a body where the core intelligence is at least 
available if not firmly established and we make our mindfulness that which makes that which is tentatively established fully established endowed got going enriched enlarged and able to to be a support for us mm. because in this all good qualities will gather and collect in this this is why mindfulness of body is a big is always the consider the the basic i'm going to say basic i don't mean it's well you, then you get beyond it no it's it's the basis in which all the other qualities can collect it acts like a basin all good qualities will collect into this uh, and this again is beyond the normal reasoning because you think bodies are just livers and meat no no this is the intelligent body the effective body and it's that where you feel heart it's the emotional body it's the heartful body and the practice of you know, becomes available through to actually feel that presence as if there's nothing left out there's no numb places it becomes fully uh, established then one has established mindfulness of body as a proper vehicle for enlightenment Now I just touch on that one because, you know, for establishment of mindfulness is something one could spend many a long time dwelling on each each um, limb of that. I'm going to start with that body because I, my own sense and understanding is that this one, if you get this right, then the others will gather into it. And, uh, you know, one way of... Um, just being able to measure the how fi- how full that is yet, whether it's filled up yet, is if the breathing process becomes quite natural and rhythmic and complete, then you can say yes, this is this is now filled, or it's it's filling, you know, it's 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 fully arrived. And if it hasn't arrived, then one should cultivate, um, you know, in line to establish that. Uh, into particularly unconnecting those unskillful conducts or programs, you know, heart programs which are you know, speedy, rushing, uh, impulsive, compulsive, embittered, despairing, you know, self and other, self-defining, comparative. You just keep unhooking those and let something more innately felt subjective establish itself and feel that in your body walk with it stand with it from the soles of your feet to the crown of your head so if you're sensing your body from the inside to the outside and um So this is nourishment for the seven factors of enlightenment and uh, of which mindfulness is the the cardinal. I mean, it's the leader of it. That's the one that gets it going. So, and then enlightenment gives rise to knowledge and liberation.
Well, we didn't get very far with that lot, but these are, <laughs> you know, if a few, a few raindrops have managed to land in a cleft or two, that's good, yeah. Um, so where's the opening? Yeah. Where is that gully? Where is that place that can gather it? Yeah. Mm. You find, you know, where's your faith? Where is the good dharma? Good dharma is that which you get the resonance with. Your faith picks up there. Uh, uh, um, and you cultivate that for, you carefully attend to that, deeply attend to that, carry it with you in, in qualities of mindfulness and full comprehension. Before you even establish anything as formal, when I say before, I mean, doesn't mean days before, it could mean seconds before, you know. Okay, right here we are, and then we sit down. And so it's just that sense of, you know, what structures, the sequence of the structures that you touch into, you know, sequence of the, the factors you touch into, and then, okay, now, right. So then, you know. So again, to go back, just to finish off, going back to nature, and um, um, just touch into my uh, mindful, mindful walking, and um, you know, we see it just so our in- inquiry as to how does a body walk, what does it take, what are the factors that come together for the body to walk, uh, the energy, uh, the stability the sense of balance, the propensity to move. You can't, that always required for walking, isn't it? So if we walk from, you say, in, from the inside out, you know, so from the core of establishing balance, uprightness, and sense of movement, then what parts of the body move when you set up the intention to walk? You're probably gonna get a swing in your hips, in your waist, a turning that gently lifts the leg, places it forward onto the ground, then the sense of touching, and then the body takes that as a, as a support. Its weight comes onto that leg, so the other left can be lifted, turned. So it's very much like this coordinating of factors. And I'd recommend to be mindful of walking just to really feel the fullness of what, how walking occurs until it becomes the whole body, including your shoulders, and the, the memo is um, what isn't needed, don't bother with it. If it's part of it, include it. So if the shoulders are not included, they will tend to stiffen up. Yeah, so we include them. Visual gaze is needed but only to a minimal extent, so you turn that down. and So it's just light enough to see where you're going, but you're not centering on the visual sense, center more on the internal sense, how does walking occur? Yeah. Uh, and there's something sort of quite natural and rhythmic about it, the difference between mindful walking and marching is mindful walking isn't aiming to get anywhere. Most, peop- most of our walking is gonna be fast as you can, get to, you know, the vehicle, the car, or the 
door or something. But mindful walking isn't oriented in that way. Mindful walking is more oriented in how does the body walk. And then when you're there, wherever you are, it's the same place. You know, because it's that same sense, balance, rhythm, movement, stability, balance, rhythm, movement, stability, and stuff sort of changing around you, but you keep in that that place and you let, you know, things happen around you. Yeah. And there isn't the self-definition of how am I walking, how do I do this, am I good at it, should I walk faster, slower? You just walk. Mindfully, of course. Mm. And you can, when you get into the flow of it, you can put a, a measurement on that, say, you know, like 10, 15, 20. Feel what feels a, a place where you start to get into that sense of the rhythmic flow and then the pausing. Turn around and contemplate that rhythmic flow, pausing. In front of me is space, opening. Behind me is open around me is open, I am in my space, walking along. Um, putting aside covetousness and grief <laughs> and despair, and how do I do this? And when it's yeah, and then you have a day of practice, you get a sense of when is one's energy needing walking, when is it suitable to walk, when is it suitable to sit, when is it suitable to stand, when is it suitable to recline. And part of the beauty of these situations is you you all have enough maturity to yeah, feel you can try and work work that out, feel it out, feel what works in accordance with your the conditions that you're with in your embodiment, your mind, your heart. Um mm-hmm.